welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is the eighth long format episode, and we'll be going over the week that was, the week to come, our gambling picks for this week, and then finally, we'll go over our starting lineup. All right, let's get started. Yeah, so I mean, three games last week. Um, overall, I think, you know, people don't realize it was actually quite a successful week. I mean, three games, that's a possibility of uh, six total points, and we came away with five. Yeah. So that's already a better start. We're on the up, we're on the up and up. Yeah, we're definitely, we've turned a corner. That's that's clear. Um, the first game in Ottawa, we won 3-1. to one. Um, We had a power play goal from Gallagher, a power play goal from Petrie, and then an empty netter from Toffoli. Uh, Carey Price was a 9.63, and that's something I want to get into a little bit later. But um, overall, like, from that game, I, I don't know what else to say. It just they, they looked like, you know, a 3-1 to one. I don't know, like, I, I don't even remember that game very yeah, much. Yeah, I, I just remember, you know, us being, like, like cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Like, I remember we watched the first period. I'm remembering the game now. But we were watching the first period, and we're like, okay, this looks good. But so has a lot of first periods in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the game moved on, it looked like, you know, everyone was kind of back in their step. Right. Oh, and I, I sorry, I just, I realized before we get into it, I just wanted to mention, too, to everyone listening. So, basically... With all of those blackouts and everything, we just kind of rewatched the games on our own time as replays of the parts we missed. Because I don't think it would be very fair for us to say, like, here's how they played and, like, right, yeah, didn't yeah. watch, you know, a third of the game. So, I mean, like, we'll, uh, that would be done retroactively. And that's kind of why we also have these summary periods. Yeah. Uh, summary periods. Summary podcasts. Just because now, like, it can confirm, like, we watched the game in full for each one. You know, like, I know one blackout we missed, like, a massive Romanov hit that was, yeah. like, on all the highlights on Instagram and everything. So, it's just, like, yeah, we, we, we go back and we do watch them Well, after. yeah, I think that March 2nd Ottawa game, we came in at, like, I think the 16-minute mark in the second well, that, period. Well, yeah, we that's, missed, what like, remind, the first that's, that's what bit, reminded yeah. me. And then when you said the first period, I was like, all right, like, when we sat down in the middle of the day and watched yeah. the highlight reel. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that game, you know, it, it was clear, like, as the game moved on that, you know, we kind of looked like we were back in, you know, back in synchrony, but... You know, again, I think that cautious optimism, like, I think that's something that we're going to have to use going forward, um, you know, and because I, I, we can't get comfortable with this team. Like, right. they they need to, and I, I mean we as in, like, we as in, like, the Montreal Canadiens. I yeah. don't mean, like, as fans. We no, have to no, be no, careful. I mean, like, teams in the yeah, they can't get comfortable because, you know, when you get comfortable, you get comfortable in all aspects of play. You get, obviously, they were getting comfortable losing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's tough when you don't have those game, those bounce-back games for a month. And, you know, if we go, if we go, you know, March winning like January and then we lose all of April again, you know, it's not. Well, that's it. And I I think a big thing to it as well isn't just getting comfortable, but it's the aggression because every time the Habs played aggressive throughout all three of these games, they looked great. It was when they would turtle shell in or they would play a very passive game that you notice their, their weaknesses. So like for me, I'll save it until we cover the, uh, the first Winnipeg game. But I, I could just see when the energy was up and down. You could track it with, like, a pencil. It was it was just unbelievable how different the team would look, like, shift to shift at some point. Yeah. And I think as the week went on, we corrected for that. The The big issue for me, you know, I if you don't mind, I'll just jump into the Winnipeg game, the overtime loss. So we lost 4-3. to three. And before I even go over all the goals, we were aggressive that whole game until overtime. Yeah, and the minute we basically got defensive in overtime, we lost. So just re- like reviewing that, we had another power play goal from Gallagher. We had another goal from Toffoli. We had a goal from uh, Perry, and Allen was an eight fifty two that game. Yeah, so not his game. strongest, but also not his fault per it se. It was also a weak game for Hellebuck. So yeah, it kind that's of bounced the thing. Out. And I think it Hellebuck also was like an eight fifty eight. Yeah, and it was also one of those games where like you look and we would always say like, oh, that's a goal against for Allen because yeah, it would be none of his yeah. problem. You know, He's like, like triple screened and well, yeah. I'm thinking of the there. overtime goal, which is what I was basically like highlighting the most is the second we started backpedaling, that's when Armia collided with Petrie. And you give Pierre-Luc Dubois the entire slot yeah. with a screen. He's he's going to put it anywhere he wants. The guy's obviously, you know, really talented. He's a third overall pick. Yeah. And he knows how to put the puck in the net. So, I mean, that's one of those games where it was very, very frustrating. But, I mean... Yeah, it was. that was the game. I mean, obviously, the first overtime loss this week. Um, well, the only loss this week. But, yeah. you know, it, it was that was the game where they went to overtime. 
And that's, you know, I'm assuming to be the first of many times I've second guessed Dom Ducharme. Like, yes. I looked at those overtime lines and I was like, this is Claude Julien. Yeah. Like, this is literally Claude Julien. And then, and then let us I remember, to believe. <laughs> and then, and that led us to believe, like, what if it wasn't Claude Julien? Yeah. And Claude's talking to Mark, like, oh my God, I'm telling you, Dom's, Dom, it's Dom. Yeah, it's not me. And Mark's <laughs> telling him you have to take responsibility for your actions. Your head coach. <laughs> you know, that Dom's yeah. whispering in his ear, like, you know, you have to, you have to get the new times, old man. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> it's, it's funny that you do mention Claude Julien because we, we kind of mentioned a few times on the podcast, like, we're going to do a whole Claude Julian thank you podcast and everything. And then uh, Rob actually had a very good idea. Um, you know, Claude Julian got fired about 20 games into the season. So we figured like, you know, it, it's not exactly the halfway point, but it was about the halfway point. So at the end of the season, we can not only do kind of like a post-mortem on the Canadians, but also we're going to do like a like head-to-head coaching comparable yeah, and then kind of do game. a tribute yeah. to Claude Julian and series by done. series I mean we're gonna go series by series because you know like obviously it's not gonna work out perfectly especially with the teams like Calgary that are very top heavy against us even Toronto I think we played them four times in like the last six yeah, games it'll just be have, a massive overview. but at least we can compare at least some Toronto Habs uh games from before and after mm-hmm. some Winnipeg games from uh before and after some Calgary we'll obviously have a lot of Vancouver from before but It'll be a nice comparison to see like how, you know, things change. Yeah, and it'll be a fun episode too because we'll really break it down from just overall record to like you said series record and also things that really like, you know, we could see the trends to where the Habs were scoring goals, where they were letting in goals and everything. So yeah. it'll just be it'll be a fun episode. But going back to that game, like those overtime lines, like I was extremely frustrated. Like oh, I was we baffled. saw, yeah, I was baffled. You know that Armia play was, you know a reason why I wouldn't have that guy on the ice in overtime. I mean, it's, it's just, again, he's just out of his comfort zone. Like, that's not his play. You know, Armia's a five-on-five five guy. Like, mm-hmm. Armia, that's where he, he thrives, and on the penalty kill, um, so I guess five-on-four, but he's, uh, you know, he's definitely not, you know, that guy that you want racing up the, the right side in overtime. No. Um, you know, against Shifley, Wheeler, and, and you know, Connor. So, you know, it, it was a tough move to see that because that's something that's right out of Claude Julien's playbook and, uh, you know, a reason why he's, you know, was relieved of his coaching duties. And I don't think Mark Bergevin was probably happy to see that call. Yeah. Um, just it also because, makes Mark Bergevin look bad. Yeah, we, we just, we haven't won in overtime. Yeah, and I'm saying, and from, from a personal side, like Mark Bergevin, it's embarrassing to him because he goes, you know, I just fired someone for this and you go and do it right away. You're yeah. essentially saying one you don't care about my opinion. I I control your job too. You make me look like I don't really understand what's going on in the organization. So like it, it's just it's not a smart move from like at like a like keeping your job point of view, yeah. but also like it's just not a smart move because it doesn't win games. No, we I mean like look at our record in overtime. Yeah, we're zero and five. We're zero and five. So it's like That's you know five clearly points, <laughs> yeah clearly something's not working there. And like to just do the same thing five times, like we've literally had these same lines out five yeah. times. Like it just doesn't work. It's gonna be Dano Byron. How many Petrie. more overtime games are we gonna have this season? Like, yeah, you know, four, well, I mean, three to five. Yeah, that's the thing. We normally five's a lot right now. Well, I was gonna say we normally average. I'd, I'd assume this is just like off the top of my head probably like eight overtimes a year on an 82 game yeah. season so five would be that's it we're yeah. done but i guess not yeah just clearly because the matchups are a little bit more uh, clustered and you know these series kind of make teams mm-hmm. play a little harder uh i'm gonna assume that you know maximum uh will you know have 90 percent in the second half of what we had in the in the first half there's no way we're going uh, going to another five over no there's That'd no be insane way. yeah but you know, three to five is, is 20% safe. of the season. Yeah, almost. that's insane. So, um, you know, I'd like to see some big changes there. And hopefully, like, you know, if we do play three more OTs, those lines are very different from what yeah. we've been seeing. Um, so then going to the March 6th game, I think this was probably, like we said, cautious optimism, but also relieving because the Habs won seven to one. Yeah, just before we jump into this analysis of this game and, and go over the goals and what we liked, you know, this was a game that I think, you know, on everyone mind, everyone's mind, it was like, yeah, we dominated Winnipeg, but a lot of this is due to Winnipeg. Like, they, they had a terrible game. Like, this was yeah, probably the worst well. game Winnipeg's played, like, this entire season. They absolutely broke down. They had severe goaltending issues. Yeah, well, they and, pulled um, their goalie with five minutes left in the period. Yeah, and I think what happened was they, they just, 
they happen to have their worst game of the season uh, on the turning point for the Habs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think this was really a seven-goal game for the Habs. Like, you know, it's nice to nice to see everyone on the board but i think realistically with a real like a a realistic winnipeg goaltending situation and defense that was probably a 4-1 win yeah. maybe 4 nothing because that late goal on price like that wasn't that was no. us being up seven goals that was up six yeah, exactly so i think if you take off three of our goals there that you know shouldn't have gone in on on Hellebuck and, and brossois there then you know, I think Price would have had that shutout. Yeah. But... At the same time, I'll take it. Um, no, me too. It, it's good I to think... see everyone back on the board, and like it, you know, it, it carry. So many of our players like carry themselves with momentum, mm-hmm. and like you know, when you hit a wall like you did in February, you know, when you, we don't have Tatar uh, performing, we don't have Gallagher performing, like this stuff weighs down the team like yeah. crazy. And like you said in in February, if no one's performing, the team's just gonna sink. Well, like yeah. it's, and it just so happened that this was one of those losing streaks where like everyone was in a rut. But going over the goals, um, you know, we had a goal uh, from Anderson, which was nice. His first game back, playing with uh, Toffoli and Kotkaniemi. Uh, we had a goal from Toffoli again. Then we had two goals from Gallagher. Uh, which almost looked like spitting images of each other. Yeah, almost the exact same goal. And then it wouldn't be a game against Winnipeg if Armia didn't score. <laughs> uh, then we had a goal from Byron. Then we had a goal from uh, Petrie. Yeah, uh, a Norris goal from Petrie. Yeah, that, that was, was a that was insane. Shot. That shot. That was an in, like a really yeah. Nice and then shot. Uh, you know, not to be forgotten, Price was a nine six six. So really good game from Price again. Really solid week. Um, you know, he's you know like a ninety nine six four basically on the week. Uh, Price. So that's he, that's he, what I wanted to talk about before is that people really have been getting on Carey Price, and we're gonna dive into it a little more when we have like our really only one news story for the week, but. I think people forget like he's how talented this guy is. He has like a lot of streakiness to him. I understand that, and I find like he goes through bad stretches. But when he turns it on, like think of the bubble. Think of yeah. well, just this week alone. But like when he is just kind of playing his game in, in his groove, there's a reason why he got paid what he did, and like whether you agree with it or not, you know he he at one point was the best goalie in the league and in the world. And at this point, he's still in the conversation as one of the top goalies in the league. And there's a reason for it. It's, you know, there's a couple good chances there. It's not like, you know, the Habs who actually take the most shots per game and have the lowest danger chances per game in the league as well. Like, these are he's playing against quality forwards. Yeah. And I just think people are a little too harsh on him at times. Yeah. Um, there's, at some points, deservingly so, because... Yeah. There's some games where he just plays. He, like he shit. just doesn't yeah. play well, you know. Like I remember a couple of those Ottawa games where Brady Kachuk scored yeah, that goal, like those yeah. the ones that just squeak through. Yeah, you gotta save those. You just have to, exactly. But I just I wanted to come to kind of his defense a little and say yeah. like, we you know we have two very very good goalies. Yeah, very, and you know we gotta we'll get into it in a bit, but we gotta you know learn how to manage them both a little bit better, and you know I think that's what we're seeing with the goaltending uh, uh, coach change. Um. Anything else to say in that Winnipeg game? No, not really. But like I said, um, five that points out of a... brutal for Hellebuck. Again, yeah. though, like what happened there, I think, was, you know, I think Paul Maurice wasn't giving up on the game with five minutes left in the second. getting him ready for the next But one. he was getting him ready for that Ottawa, uh, for that Toronto game they have coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Hellebuck's going to want to get the start against Toronto, you mm-hmm. know, best team in the North Division right now. Um so I, I think them playing him through another third period, another period where he's clearly having a rough night, uh, isn't going to do anything but fatigue him for, for yeah, uh, Toronto. So I think it was so. actually a good coaching call. I probably would have waited until the period was over. Exactly. That's the only qualm I have with it is just, you know, let Brassois go out there for the third. Yeah, because it, it also allowed Brassois to, like, to warm up a little yeah. bit. I mean, like, you threw him out there, and that's what we scored, like, the second oh, shot Almost or instantly, like so, yeah. You know, it's really tough, like, to be pulled like that. And then, you know, it's tough for the backup to get out there yeah. after, you know, it's very rare Connor Hellbuck gets pulled. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that doesn't happen a lot for Laurent. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't uh, in Probably prime his, conditioning like, for that. AirPods and he was chilling. He looked yeah. over, he saw Connor. Probably had some, like, chili for dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, some hot dogs. <laughs> Never expects to go out there. Didn't put on his jock strap. But, yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into the upcoming week. So... Yeah. Tomorrow night, March 8th, we have a very late game against Vancouver, 10 p.m. Um, you know, 
I don't know how they could do this to us again. I don't. I don't know if this week is like the week from and hell. And then, and then, no, no, March tenth is the is the sadistic one. I know. This one is satanic. I Eleven know. p.m. That's like a two. That's like a two a.m. two thirty a.m. bedtime. Yeah. That's insane. It's it's just not okay. It's just not okay. What time is that in Vancouver? I mean, it's Eight two nine. hours before, so it's nine. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like there's no reason for it. Yeah. There's just no reason. There's no fans in attendance. Yeah. So it's like I don't they're just playing it, yeah. late, unless like Vancouver, unless like Toronto plays at like. That's what I mean. Like they're like, unless they're yeah. they're leaving Toronto late the other night, but it's like too bad. Yeah, and if they're leaving <laughs> Toronto late the other night, I guarantee you they don't want to play the next night at eleven. Exactly. Right? It's, it's just like if anything, just push the game. But either way, look, we've got the eighth, the tenth, the eleventh, and the thirteenth. So it's a good amount of hockey. Yeah. This so week. what do you what do you think is gonna happen in that first game against Vancouver? I mean. If history has taught us anything, um, these Vancouver... It's Thatcher Demko, I think, who's in net. Yeah, the, the Vancouver games in general will be fun to watch. That's the easiest thing you can say about it because there's always some action there. We've got the two coastal People forget, teams. though, they have beat us. Yeah, no, they yeah. have. Yeah, they but have beat us. I, I think it's a 3-1 think... series or something. I, I think so. I think it's just more like the games are exciting. Yeah. We haven't seen a boring one, no, and I, obviously I mean, there's yeah. been like a lot of scoring. I mean, like uh, in terms of people think that we just kind of sweep through these guys. I think yeah. it's, I think it's more the games we have won. We've like definitively won them. Well, and that's why I'm saying like they'll just be fun to watch because I think that there's a an extra level level of compete that an comes, extra level a level yes, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, we basically, like, we just have that next step. Imagine they put Toffoli in, like, double coverage or something. <laughs> like, a, like an NFL play. Yeah, uh, well, they might, because he, he lights it up on them for some reason. Yeah. And, you He's know, a better line now. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's not playing it's with Army be... and Cotton he's playing with Cotton and Anderson. Yeah, so. which I, I just, I, I'm excited for those lines. I like them a lot. I just... I'm surprised Kotkaniemi's the center. If that line was going to happen, I would I would have thought Suzuki would be the center for that line and yeah. have the two wingers drop down. But anyway. I think, you know, just going a little bit more into detail there, I think that's a spread the wealth kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like Suzuki's obviously super talented, a lot more talented than Kotkaniemi. Um, obviously a different player, but, you know, I think Suzuki has more of an ability, um, you know, sort of, sort of like a... You know, a more natural superstar to bring up people around him. And I don't think Kotkaniemi has that ability. I think that's like the you know, defining character uh, that separates a, you know, a Suzuki from a, from a, from a Kotkaniemi. Uh, not making player analogies here, but kind of like the difference with like a uh, Bergeron and like a Krejci, mm -hmm. where it's kind of like, you know, Krejci's not going to bring up people It's an elite him. center versus a top six center. Yeah, so it's like, you know, Krejci's a fantastic hockey player. He's very underrated. But, you know, he's not really going to make... You know, if Krejci's playing in the second line, if a, if they had to play fourth-line wingers with him, he's not going to make them better. No. Whereas Bergeron could make a fourth-line winger a first-line winger. Exactly. Like he'll, and I think Suzuki has more of that talent. So, you know, if we are trying to give... Kotkaniemi a little bit more talent to play with I think it's more feasible to do that with Kotkaniemi and take away from Suzuki because Suzuki has that capability yeah, of like he can making... carry a heavier load yeah. I also think it might be working the other way too if they want to jumpstart Kotkaniemi a little and play him with guys who he can like feed the puck well, no, that, to that's my point yeah that's my point is that like Kotkaniemi like needs talent to yeah. play with him whereas Suzuki can deal with a bit less talent and still bring them up yeah no no I'm agreeing whereas Kotkaniemi like it you know, if you gave him like a Lekin and an Armia, a Lekin, yeah, like Armia, that line a little just bit doesn't less. work. No, Armia I'm saying that less. line doesn't yeah. work in general because Armia's, I, I think, super talented. But I get your point. Like yeah. Armia's not Anderson. Mm -hmm. But if you let's say you gave him like a, uh, you know, like a Lekin and like a uh, Evans or something mm -hmm. like that, like that's not gonna work. No, you know you're not I mean? gonna and, get points from that line. Yeah, and like not only will you not have points from that line, but like it'll. You know, Kotkaniemi won't stand out individually. Whereas yeah. if you had Suzuki with that line, Suzuki would still stand out. No, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. even even then though, the Druin Suzuki um, Armia line, um, you know, that's a good line. Yeah, it looked fine. Yeah, I'm just surprised they didn't want to go with that Druin Kotkaniemi Armia. That that that's worked so well before, in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. that's so. a perfect third line, especially with guys like Anderson and Toffoli that you want in your top six, and yeah. then like those are guys who are scoring a lot. So you think like yeah you would be kind of doubling down playing them with a, like a distributor like Suzuki but but that's why they, yeah they, it, it works yeah. both ways in a weird way yeah, that's why that Suzuki Drew in line isn't playing first line anymore just because mm -hmm. that wouldn't be a very good matchup and 
you know, we're going to go into the, into our, you know, our, our starting lineup for this week, but it's clear that when Gallagher, that Tatar Deno Gallagher line, like when we were saying last week that they need those big matchups, it's evident this week that it actually works yep. because they were on fire yeah, this they, week. Yeah, they killed it this week. And like they had those big matchups, you know, because they went back to that first line. Well, that's it. And so like, like we said, March 8th and March 10th, we have Vancouver. March 11th and March 13th, we have Calgary. Yeah, Calgary's the interesting one. Calgary, yeah. you know, we, ha- we haven't seen, we only played them twice. We yeah. lost one, we won one. Um, you know, both not really definitive games. I find them, like, it's a bit boring to play them because I find we're both just kind of, like, not able to get through the other one. Yeah, you know? it is. And it's, you know, it's, it's an issue. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we know their D is going to be on point. Um, but, you know, it kind of depends if ours is. You know, like, well, we, we it, can't, yeah. like, we know that, you know, we obviously know that Giordano is going to be there. Yeah, Giordano, Hannafin, Anderson, Valamaki, yeah, so, yeah. Like, so they got a very deep decor, yeah. and like uh, you know, we can't afford for. Uh, we know we're going to struggle against their D, yeah. So we can't afford to have our D not be performing because, like, then uh, you know they still have all those offensive weapons, and apparently Milan Lucic yeah. is uh, having. <laughs> God, I hate that guy. I, but... I know, and it's just so funny to see him like succeed because like he just doesn't look like someone who can. But he's a yeah he's a he's a funny guy you know. It's it's weird to see him back in his like uh, you know Boston Bruins days, but you know I think it's kind of temporary. I don't think. Uh, no, no, this is just a hot streak. He's yeah. not he's not bringing back old Milan. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you had mentioned, so we have our top five, like our starting five for the week. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the forwards, I guess. So I mean, the first one it has to be Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. Um, he had four goals in three games and they were all, you know, big goals. A lot of the time it was the first goal of the game, get everything. I mean, the spiritual goals, emotional leader goals. I mean, in in the Winnipeg, the first Winnipeg game and the Ottawa game, they were the first goals and he's putting them in on the power play, which like I always used to joke how he's not a power play guy, but he he finishes. He is with Perry. Yeah, well, when, that's it. When he's it. paired with Perry, he's you know those guys that's are really it. running he, that. He plays that they even in front of the, the net. Uh, well. They flipped the power play. Yeah, uh, I noticed lines that because like you know that line was playing so well. You know, it was like there was no reason for them to be on the second pair. Right. I mean, like for them to be on the second pair, I mean, like you know, it, it is roughly equal time. But like we were saying, that first line typically gets you know ten to twenty seconds more than the second. Yeah. And that's ten to twenty seconds where, you know, we don't have Perry making those crazy passes in front of the net to Gallagher. Oh, exactly. Where he can bury them. Um so I'm glad they did that and I'm also really glad that they split up uh Petrie and Weber. Because I think that was just, you know, on paper that looks like it's an incredible pairing mm-hmm. on the power play. But it clearly, you know, throughout the last two, three years just hasn't been an effective strategy. Well that's it. It just it doesn't work. Because I see what they're thinking. They're thinking like you know who's gonna it kind of confuses them like who's shooting you know what i yeah. mean whereas like it, it, it doesn't really because like it's yeah. clearly going to weber I yeah mean, like, well that's is. that's it it's the same approach they take because then what's the point of having weber on there well that, I mean, like that's you're not it. gonna you're not gonna he doesn't use... hold the point yeah he doesn't he hold doesn't the point he's not a particularly great passer he's no, a horrible passer you yeah. see the wrist shots he takes at jeff peter <laughs> yeah so like you know it, it there's no real reason for him to be there and to have yeah. a guy on the power play only be on the power play to be a you know, like a you know, a false target is kind of silly. I mean, that well, that's really it. And it's it's also the fact that like they they approach it with like the same uh, mentality that they kind of approach overtime with of like, um, if you do something completely chaotic, they won't know what's going yeah, on. It's, it's like it just doesn't work. They'll be like having Jake Evans on the point. Yeah, and it doesn't you know, make any sense. I think they're starting to realize and like you know. Yeah, you have to I'm put sure the good do. players out there. That's yeah, it. but it's also the game's too quick to try to like misstep people like you do in the NFL. Like, exactly. You know, it, there's not enough time to hyperanalyze these things. The puck's yeah. coming in at like 105 kilometers an hour, and like you know, it, it's too. It's, the game's too well, fast for you to look at you know where Petrie's eyes are from the point. Uh, if yeah, because the puck's already gone. Exactly. So, so I, I, I just like seeing him score on the power play. Um, I know, you know, we had a couple more power play goals in general, and, like, that was a big hit that we had taken over a few games. What was our stat there with the... Um, our power play against Winnipeg is something crazy. I think it's, like, 48% or something. Yeah, it's, it's something insane. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember exactly. I think we're, exactly. like, 19% now in the season, which something, is an improvement. Yeah. But, you know... It still needs to be better. I want to see that one for four ish. Yeah, because like, below that, it 
makes it not worth it. Well, exactly. It, it wastes two minutes of the game. But, yeah, in general, like, like I was saying, it has to be Gallagher in the first spot because, yeah. you know, like we said, four goals and, like, it, it was just that whole line played well, but he also just was... He stood like, out. He was something else this yeah. week. Um, so I'm going to leave the center for you to uh, okay. say after, but we'll go over to the uh, next uh, forward. Um, it's going to be Tyler Toffoli. So Toffoli has you know, clearly showed that he's not just a Vancouver threat. I yeah. mean, like, he's, you know, that last goal that he scored on March 6th against Winnipeg uh, got him to pass Connor McDavid in scoring. Yeah, so he's scoring he's, I, I think as of today, he's still second in the league mm-hmm. in scoring. I'm going to double-check. Um, and I, I think while you're looking it up, it's important to say just, like, Tatar could have easily been on this list, too. Yeah. But it was just like he, you know, when when Toffoli has three goals in three games, you just you can't put up not give him credit for that. Yeah. So but, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, Toffoli is now tied with McDavid because uh, McDavid scored uh, the day after Toffoli scored the fifteenth. But keep in mind, Connor McDavid has twenty six games played. So and he's Connor McDavid. And he's Connor McDavid, <laughs> whereas Toffoli has uh 23 games played yeah. so he has three games in and hand, he's not Connor mcdavid <laughs> and he's not Connor mcdavid so you know that's some pretty impressive numbers from Tafoli. um you know i think it's, it's more we could have ever asked for way more i mean well, like beginning the season like yeah 20 25 goals i mean like i know yeah, i know it's like facetious to say this but like he's literally on track on an 82 game season for like 55 goals yeah i know so he's it's having like, an unbelievable you know, year. so it's uh you know it's, it's crazy to have a score like that on our team and it's nice now that like you know, seventy percent of his goals aren't against Vancouver. Exactly. Like it's, you know, I, I still think a good thirty percent of them or forty percent of them are. But yeah. at, at least, you know, at that, I think that seven or eight goal point, he was literally hovering like, oh yeah, but you know, three quarters of his goals were yeah, against exactly. Vancouver. Well, but, look, we're going to two games against Vancouver this week, so maybe so he'll bump it maybe back up. Yeah. yeah, maybe he'll jump back in. But I'm okay with it. Just keep the goals coming. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I know you left this last forward for me. <laughs> um. Like I've said many times before, I'm happy to be wrong. I just want them to prove it. Uh, it's Philip Deneau. He played so well all week. I mean, his face-offs were up. His defensive game looked, like, fine. Like, I, I never have any complaints about his defensive game. But it was it was his passing. It wasn't his goal scoring because he still doesn't score, and I don't care about that. But he was making some passes out there. That just, I mean, the two Gallagher goals, that second one where he, he like spun around yeah, and put it around. like, I've never seen a more perfect, like on the tape pass. Yeah. And like. that That's like the, that's like the epitome of the Gallagher reception. Well, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like just he just stuff at home, sits Gallagher. there and waits. Yeah. And when the puck comes, he just buries yeah. it every time. But no, I got to give credit to Philip Deno. I, I'm going to double check. Just I think, let me he, know I think, think he has 11 assists now, right? That's what I was going to say. I'm going to look into like that. It, but he's, you know, again, these stats are kind of deflated because, you know, he we had that rough patch in February that really brings everyone down. And, you know, it, it, it's tough on the stat sheet. But he's got 10 points in 23 games with 10 assists. But this is the thing. He had two goal, uh, two assists against Winnipeg. And then this is the other thing, too, is he was a plus three on the week. So, I mean, the guy was just only out there contributing. You know, the only day he didn't take more than two shots were the day he got those assists. Um, you know, his face-off percentages were good. He just overall, like, he was he was blocking some pucks. He was hit few hits here and there. But honestly, he was just, he was all over the ice, and he was looking like just a solid centerman. Again, like, I... Personally, don't think he's a first-line centerman. I don't think many people do. Um, I think he's a hovering second-line centerman. But what he does well, he does very well. And it was just nice to see him get some offense in there. Yeah. Because it at least gave him, I think, if anything, some confidence. Because, you know, he's someone who re- like he really needs to feel confident to play. And I think the first step was putting him back with his, his wingers. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed. But then, yeah, again... He was making some plays that I don't think he would do if he had, you know, Toffoli streaking in, which is funny to say because Toffoli, it's like just give him the puck and he'll score. Yeah. But I think it's a trust thing. Well, so many of those plays are, are dependent on their chemistry. Like, it, it's a lot of, like, you know, even that spinorama pass, like, you, you have to you know, have Gallagher, to know Brendan exactly. Gallagher. Like, you have to know Brendan Gallagher and you have to know that no matter what, he's going to be in front of the net. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of players, even guys who like to go to the front of the net, you, it's not always, you can't always say that, you yeah. know, like get Brennan Gallagher's like, you know, 
always in the front of the net. So yeah, it's... and he's in position too because like he Gallagher was facing the net. Yeah. Typically, someone who's in front of the net has his back to the exactly, net. Exactly. Yeah. And would he's try just... to redirect it through his legs. Like he was he was there ready to take a shot. Yeah, he's just ready to <laughs> stuff it home. And but yeah, I and mean, so I was really happy to see that because I also think that has a trickle down with the other centermen where like. When Dano's playing well, we don't have to push Suzuki as hard, and then Kotkaniemi doesn't have to get pushed as hard, and then Evans doesn't have to get pushed as hard. <laughs> Evan, like, it just tri- all the way yeah. down. Like, I mean, look, Evans got a point this week. He hadn't had a point for a little while, and it, it just shows. Yeah. So that's uh, it for the Yeah, we'll forwards. jump into defensemen. Uh, the first guy we're going to mention is Brett Kulak. Um, you know, just another solid week from him. I think he's been probably... You know, one of the most consistent guys on the team this year. I yeah. mean, like not taking bad penalties. Um, no. The defense as a whole did not put up many points this week. Like we're gonna get into the other one who basically put up all of the points yeah, for the defense. You guys this can week. probably guess but, who, but but Sharat, Edmondson, and Romanov and um, Kulak all had zero points across the three games. Yeah. So this isn't just a points based thing. This yeah. is like I just noticed him out there getting kind of gritty in front of the net, winning puck battles, making smart, you know, he he breaks in with the offense very well and he gets back. So just Kulak's just like, again, he's just one of those staples where keep him on the third pair because he sits there so well. Yeah, and you just, he's he's become that guy that like, you're just not worried when he's out there. Like, you, you know, there's some, you know, like going back to Victor Mete, like you, you never knew what you're going to get when he goes mm-hmm. out there. Like he can either like, play a you know quasi good defensive game or it can literally just be an absolute catastrophic shift and you don't want that on your third pair like there's some argument for like a Shane Gostaspear for example where like you know he's a very high risk or high reward defenseman um but his high reward is like actual points yeah so like you know as a third pair defenseman you really don't want that because like if you have the talent level of a third pair guy but you're playing that high risk high reward game kind of like a uh like a Riley, mm-hmm. uh, not Morgan Riley, obviously. Yeah, Mike Riley. <laughs> Mike Riley. Um, you know, it's it's very dangerous, and um, it, it's good well, to like, see that, yeah. you know, Kulak is the complete opposite of that. Like, he, well, he knows it. his Well, that's They place. don't play very much, so when they're out there, you it's like a fourth line of, like, a forward group. It's like you just want them to do their job and get off yeah. the ice. So, they, yeah, they, I they're, couldn't be more The fourth line, fourth line of offense and third line of defense, it's like, do the basics very well. Yep. And just don't go beyond that, please. Like, just... Yeah, and no. anything else is is bonus. Yeah, like I'll be very happy. Well, once yeah, if in you a do while. the basics very well, then like you'll produce. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like this isn't the time, nor the nor do you have the amount of minutes to start getting yeah, experimental. Start doing here. a PK Subban style breakout yeah, and everything. It's, like, it's just you have a twenty second shift. Exactly, so like. and then the last defenseman, and this is someone who like I I'm happy to see has kind of like regained his step is Jeff Petrie. Um, we had. A power play goal from Petrie in the Ottawa game, and then another goal from Petrie in the 7-1 win against Winnipeg. That's two goals in three games. He had a couple of assists, too. I believe he had four points in three games. Um, he just looked better overall. His defense looked yeah. better. His, I mean, minus, again, that overtime miscommunication with Armia. More on Armia, but again, Petrie should also, yeah. like... Petrie's the one who sees the play because he doesn't have his back to the play like Armia did. He should be able to maneuver, but he played fantastic. He put up some good amount of points. Even and... just like non tangibles, you can tell if Petrie's on game just by the way that the puck hits his stick. Yep. It's like what you were saying where he, you know, when he's off his game, he grips his stick too tight mm-hmm. and the puck hits his stick and it floats over. And yep. like, it, you know, you can tell he's having a good game when he like. You know, like lets the puck come to him. Yeah, his stick handles he is, like, a little he bit He holds more. his stick with like the tips of his fingers. He's yeah, barely exactly. holding it. Yeah, and like that was a good example of like when he made that incredible shot from the point there. Yeah. It's like that was a loose hold on his stick. It wasn't, and he received well, he, the pass. He skated properly. backwards across half the blue line. Yeah, so it's yeah. not one of those things where you know you you could kind of see him struggling on the mm-hmm. breakout, and he'll receive the puck from Edmondson, and it jumbles all over his stick, and then he kind of like know hits a floating puck and it like barely makes it up the ice yeah um you know and it's he had a good stretch of games where he was playing like that like a good two weeks so it's like actually good to see that he's like back to you know what seems to be normal and you know points aside like he's breaking out a lot better they've clearly been working i think that's a big thing of bringing edmondson in too is huge i think that's that stability 
is very important where you know Edmonton can basically make up for Petrie a little bit when he's having his downs mm-hmm. and kind of almost like snap him out of it faster where he could be like you know like what you know it's like we're, we're on the ice together you know me you trust me like get your game going like don't worry like I'll cover you basically yeah. you couldn't do that with having like Mete out there and even like Kulak out there it's not that they couldn't do it it's just who am I playing with tonight you yeah, know exactly. that's, that's always the biggest issue with the Habs in general which is why like I'd like to see the lines stay the same for a little while. Yeah, let them kind of grow with each other. But but yeah, so starting lineup for the week then is Toffoli, Deno, Gallagher, Kulak, and Petrie. Was there anything else you kind of wanted to no, cover No, I with think them? that's, you know, we had a lot of people actually in contention this week, which is nice yeah. to see because, you know, uh, a few episodes in a row there, we had basically just abandoned the power rankings. Yeah, we had to change up our so format shit. completely. Yeah, so it's good to see, like, we actually had to think about this one. Uh, jumping into the the betting, uh, you know, last week was a little bit better, um, not great, uh, definitely not up to par with what we're used to doing, but we went one for three. Um, so March second, we got the win. That's what we predicted. Uh, we beat Ottawa three um, one, but we also took the over, and it was a three one game, like I just said. So not making that five and a half goal cutoff. Um, and then March fourth, we had the win, but we lost in overtime to Winnipeg. Which always um, stings, because, like, from a gambling point of view, too, had you bet Winnipeg to win, you still don't get the yeah. the ga- the po- well the win on certain types of bets, too. So it, it was also frustrating just because, like, I think we realistically, just the way the team was playing that night, had it if we had not played those overtime lines. Yep. Like, those overtime lines are just, again, 100%. brutal, brutal lines. And it was one of those rare moments where, didn't we score with the goalie pulled? Yeah. Yeah, that, that never, that never happens with us. Never. Yeah. And it was a beautiful play too. It was like redirected Druin down to Perry and then in. Yeah. It was just it was nice to see. And then yeah, we didn't bet the sixth. But uh we should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. but yeah, so for this week, uh we'll have another three for you guys. So you wanna take the first one? Yep, yeah, so March eighth, which is tomorrow night at the ten PM game, we're gonna take the over. I think um you know, Demko's in net, not that that means anything, because Holpe and Demko are kind of both uh, struggling against us anyway. They're having decent seasons, but, um, you know, these games are always high scoring. And, uh, you know, now that we have our mojo back, it kind of looks like we, you know, we might make up for that February a little bit. And you have to respect bit. Vancouver's offense, too. Yeah, exactly. So they might produce a little, too. So maybe like a 4-2 game, mm-hmm. you know, 5-1 game, maybe. Yeah, 10 nothing. Uh, yeah, 10-0. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's pretty safe. I mean... Uh, two offenses that are, you know, seemingly coming off a, a dry spell, not so much for Vancouver, but a little bit. They've been struggling a little bit in, in late February there, but um, I can definitely see an over there. Yeah. Um, so for the 10th, this was our, you know, we, we always try and throw one special bet in, so I'll save the 10th actually for the last one. But uh, the 11th, uh, we're just going to take the under. Yeah, so that's this against is, Calgary. This is, that's yeah, the, the first, first game, game against Calgary. Calgary. Um, I don't see us blowing up this you know i could see another 3-1 kind of like we had against ottawa maybe even less like a two to one mm-hmm. it's too you know dip, whether it's riddick or uh markstrom or allen or price it's you've got goalies who can save the puck and yeah it's not only that it's it's the, the defense, defense. It's that's getting that's past it. the blue line that's it's, exactly it seems to be impossible for both teams so so yeah it's i i would take the under on that one just because when when you have teams like that that build from the net out you know, and and tend to score by committee. Like it doesn't result typically in a lot of high scoring. Yeah. So yeah, I think the there's no more argument needed there. It's just yeah. take the under. And then so what's our special bet? Yeah. So our special bet is on March 10th. So the second game against Vancouver. This is the 11 p.m. game. We're gonna take Toffoli having two or more goals. Um, I think he'll get two solid goals mm-hmm. and then maybe a hat trick via empty netter. Okay. Um, I could see that possibly happening in like a 4-3 win or something um what do you think of that no i like it a lot honestly like two or more it could happen tonight but just to you know kind of spread the wealth a little bit yeah oh you mean tomorrow huh you said tonight yeah oh yeah tomorrow yeah 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 Yeah. um basically yeah it's got to be two plus goals like i wouldn't be surprised at a hat trick but one thing i've noticed too is like a lot of players have two goal games it's very hard to get a hat trick like Gallagher, will pass it. Yeah. that's the thing but Gallagher even they were mentioning it like he's had two hat tricks in his career the guy scores 30 something goals a year for four years now he's on pace for over 35 in a regular season so 
Yeah, and to Foley specifically. Like, yeah, he'll there's pass. Been a, there's been a few games, like, in those Vancouver games where he'll pass it to Armia. Exactly, for then. the empty netter. He'll chip it up to Suzuki. So, you know, to, I, yeah. you know, especially if he's playing with uh, Kotkaniemi and, and especially Anderson, mm-hmm. like, I feel like he can make a, you know, a long pass to Anderson. Exactly. Anderson so, it, so. I, I like two plus goals. That's one where... You know, like, we have our account that we use when we gamble. I, like, I maybe even do, like, on a, like, like side bet just for, like, you know, we might each both do, a, like, a personal one. Because mm-hmm. I really like that one on March 10th. Yeah. Uh, especially once they, like, refeel Vancouver a little, you know, getting the swing of it. Yeah, I also, I like them playing against Holtby more. <laughs> yeah. Like, Holtby, like, uh... He's just, like... He gets like visually Chronically upset. bad with the Canadians, Yeah, I don't know too. what it is with him, but... I'll never know. forget that Max Domi goal with, like, seconds left that like hit his glove and just trickled yeah, just tr- in yeah like and he, it's, it's like just he always like the same thing of like yeah, exactly where he just goes to get get his water he pulls his mask up stares up at the scoreboard yeah. like he's just like that's his oh, yeah. last all the goaltending critics if they're upset with carrie price i don't know i can't imagine how they feel about brain oh Hobie. my god i couldn't yeah like that guy's literally fallen off the face of the earth like i don't know what happened him either. and him and sergey bobrovsky like oh, oh god bobrovsky's a whole other level though because bobrovsky gets paid carrie price money bobrovsky literally the year before I'm, I'm just like you know going off memory here but because uh, i don't know the exact numbers but you know, I'm pretty sure the year before he got that contract, he was like a 920. Something like that. Then the yeah. year he got that contract, he, he didn't even make the 900 mark. Like, yeah, it was he, was, absolutely he was definitely brutal. the eight. And this year, you know, with how well Florida's playing, Bobrovsky is exactly a 900 with a 3 GAA. Wow. Like, he's still not playing well, and they pay him 10 mil a year. That's rough. But yeah, so those are the three picks. We've got the over on the 8th. We've got Toffoli with two or more goals on the 10th. And we've got the under on the 11th. Uh, leave the game alone on the 13th. I don't feel comfortable gambling on it at all. Yeah. And then basically we have one thing in the news. Honestly, it was the firing of Stefan Waite. Yeah, and we're it's... still kind of waiting for more to come out about yeah. that. But um, yeah. Well, yeah, what, no, what I did want to bring up with this, there is obviously, like you said, more that we have to wait because it is very weird, that's, that situation. You know, Bergevin kind of cleared house on the on the coaching staff and then 48 hours later whatever it was fired another coach like you don't forget that and you don't like you don't do that that way if you're gonna fire him it's gonna be the bulk like everyone gets their pink slip and they leave you know so for me i like that it tied in with kind of something what we said last week's review um about how to approach the goaltending and how both goalies being in their 30s and being like established you know, veterans, they can kind of coach themselves to a certain degree and, like, schedule themselves, which is, like, a big piece of what Stefan Wade was doing. Um, it's It seems like that's kind of, like, what the, the, I guess, mentality is, is you don't need, you know, this intense coaching style with the guys like this. It'd be very different if our if our goaltending right now was Charlie Lindgren and Caden Primo. Yeah. I'd be very hesitant so to, I like, give them him, the ring. I can see him going to Philly or something with Carter Hart. Yeah, you know, I could see that being a good destination for him, but yeah. But yeah, in general, I just think that yeah, there's it's more. very odd. Yeah, it, it was just a weird firing, and I'm saying I think like, I don't think they're rushing to really get like a a new solidified coach in there. I know there's someone there interim, but I'd be very surprised if you know Carey Price and Jake Allen couldn't figure these things out for themselves. And I think that's like we had said a week ago, the way to go about it because like. Like we've mentioned too before, like and a lot of hockey players know, just goalies are very peculiar people. Like they're not like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're typically weird guys, and like weird in the sense of like they're just in a different world. You know, it's they they have have very different routines and rituals and warm ups and exercises. But also, there's there's something to be said. I forget who said it, but there there is something to be said about someone who for their sport is willing to stand in front of the puck, yeah. even with equipment. But I mean, yeah, they they can handle themselves, and it's also like speaking a different language, right? It's like you you can really you know communicate better with another goalie. I think that's the best way I can put it. Where, yeah, sure, like Weber and Romanov can talk, but like, you know, I don't think Carey Price talking to Romanov for tips is like the best idea. Yeah, well, the the difference is is like you know you you have you know five other defensemen that are on the team possibly six you know with, with an extra man there like you typically have you know your backup mm-hmm. you know i mean and like that that fosters a very you know 
different relationship than like Weber and like Kulak, for example, mm-hmm. does. Exactly. Um, even more so with offense. And, you know, when you have a guy like Carey Price, who's like, you know, going to be, you know, arguably one of the greatest, one of the greatest goalies to ever play the game. I yeah. mean, like, it's it's a bit of a different scenario. It's like, you, you know, like we were saying, like, it's different if it was Charlie Lindgren and Kate Primo. Uh, those guys wouldn't really know how to manage themselves. But, um, you know, when you have guys like Allen and Price, two very professional guys, um, both very uh, peculiar, even for goalies, um, you know, I think it's kind of better to leave it, you know, somewhat up to them and, um, you know, going back to the Stefan Waite stuff, like, um, I think that relationship was starting to become strained. Um, yeah. you know, there was some, uh, rumors coming out that, you know, he had started to doubt Carey Price's, um, you know, energy going into this season because and of his ability and his ability because of the addition of Jake Allen and was kind of making that vocal to him again. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, that's right now it's just speculation. Um, but you know, if that is true, that's obviously like a very, um, not to use a very loaded term these days, but a very toxic trait and very toxic personality in the locker room that yeah. like you just don't need to have, especially with a struggling team. Well, that's it. And I think, you know, if any of the allegations are true, stuff like that, you know, aside from being toxic, this is another probably good word for it, but it, it festers there. You know, it like grows like a mushroom. It's like... Yeah. You, you you put that in his mind like I think of like Inception right like it's it, he's saying these things and then it, it affects Carey Price in the way that like you wouldn't think you know he doesn't getting spoken to or bad mouth directly doesn't mean that he goes out and has an 800 game yeah exactly. but what happens is when he has an 800 game he considers that as a reality yeah exactly and yeah. so it, it's more just you're implanting ideas that like just would never come up had you not said it yeah i don't think any i i also don't see the logic which is why i have a hard time believing it's like the direct quote of that is that with jake allen here expect your stats to go down yeah Ju- just because like you'd think that with increasing the talent of the backup goalie it pushes everything up not pulls everything yeah. down like you're not you're not coming back to homeostasis yeah i think it. maybe what what was meant by that was that you know his his perception in the city will go down like his right. his status, like status his status in the city will go down because people will be like well look how good alan is yeah you know? i i don't know but i, I, just... I still just it doesn't all add up we'll yeah. wait to see what comes out about it i i have a feeling you know um with how storied this organization is and you know a guy like stefan Waite who has like you know so much stuff behind him um, you know, so much success behind him. I feel like they'll, if there is anything, they'll kind of keep it under, uh, yeah. under wraps, especially because you know Price is definitely not a vocal guy. No. Um. So you know, we'll see what happens. My, I'm just, I'm glad to see that you know, at least, you know, if we're gonna make coaching changes, make them across the board, and you know, if Kerry is struggling, you know, change stuff around him. Well, that's so just, it. I, I was gonna say my my best guess. Just do you hire another coach, like another goaltending coach? Not, not. I, that's the thing. Yes, if and this is what I was like. Hey, I'll say my point first, then it'll make sense. I think what happened now that I'm trying to make sense of it is they fired Claude Julian, they fired Kirk Muller, and everything, and then um, Ducharme put his new kind of game plan into effect, and it clashed with Stefan Waite, and they didn't kind of consider that, which is why a few days later they let him go. Okay. I to me that's my best guess. I think. Bergevin just kind of went okay well look I'm putting my confidence in Ducharme you were there you were the old guard with Claude Julien I let you keep your job basically because I assumed you'd kind of go with the flow and maybe he was causing a bit you know a bit of waves that Bergevin didn't like and you know Bergevin's big on attitude so to, to answer your question there like I would maybe yeah hire someone if more you, like a trainer role right? that's like, what I mean it's you know, like someone who's kind of and I, I hate saying it like this because like it, it's it's demeaning to whoever kind of gets the the job anyway, but kind of someone who doesn't have too much ambition right now, someone who kind of is just willing to do their job. Yeah, like can objectively look at Price and Allen yeah. and be like, these are your like objective weak points. I haven't been working with you for five years, and my you know my well, vision. Stefan, wait, it's how many years now? Fifteen years with yeah, Carey Price. Fif- yeah, jeez, yeah. So you know that obviously clouds your vision a little bit on on what's wrong with Carey, and like mm-hmm. you need when you get fresh eyes coming in and and saying like you know looking at tape that I wasn't involved in. You know, this is an obvious weak point. This is an obvious weak point. Yeah. Let's work on them. 
uh, instead of kind of making these decisions of who starts when, because like, you know, we're talking two guys, two guys don't need to be managed. Like it's, these are conversations that you can have. Especially in that position where it's like, and if it, if it is, then like it should be a head coaching decision on basically when you have the analytics in front of you, if let's say Alan, you know, let's say we, we go into the playoffs and you know, Allen has never won a game against Tampa Bay. Like, obviously, let's, you know, play Carey Price if yeah. he's up to it. Uh, if he's, like, not injured, God forbid, or anything like that. If, like, you know, all else being equal, like, look at the stat sheet. Yeah. And the head coach will make a final decision. I don't know if we need a guy kind of, like, arbitrating it and being, like, you know, where Carey's head at right now, it's like, well, just ask Carey. Exactly. Like, just ask how, well, how he's And that's feeling. it. And then all of a sudden, you don't need the middleman at all because you can just, like you said, ask it's Carey. It's two guys. Yeah. You don't have to ask someone to ask Carey. Exactly. Yeah, Carey like can just say, I'm not tired. A, he's not a sports psychologist. No, exactly. Like, you know, so it's... I also think, and this is this goes back to a point I made, I think, preseason. I still think the best way to handle these goalies is just until we lose a game, you're the goalie. Yeah. Because I also think with the amount of playing that we're doing, it won't be these 12-game streaks for I know, either goalie. The I argument, understand the yeah. injury risk. The ar- no, no, the injury risk, but the argument is is that we don't have to get to the point where there's a loss. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, it, it, if we get to the point where there's a loss, that could have been avoided if we had yeah. played the other goalie, potentially. Right? No, again, I get that. I just mean more, like, especially with how kind of, sh- like, goalies go on tears there. You know, like, I mean, Vasilevsky a couple weeks ago had like three shutouts in a row and then got blown up by another team yeah i think it was it's chicago hard to predict or sometimes but it's hard to predict but it's also like sometimes maybe they just need a break and it's yeah. like if you use i don't that, like the planned schedules that's yes, stupid that but you know me. i think a guy who has suffered with fatigue as much as carrie price mm-hmm. i think the best the best uh, bet you can go with is play carrie price his first instinct okay uh and then just talk to Carey Price, be like, you've been very fatigued before, you've played like 55 game seasons, yeah. 60 game seasons, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, that's Do you need exactly a rest? No, you know that's I mean? exactly and if he it. says, yeah, I definitely need a rest, then play Allen. Don't like look at the schedule before the season and be Where like... Where are you going to be tired? Yeah, it's like, it doesn't In three make months any from sense. now, it's will like, you be tired? <laughs> you gotta like perceive, he's gotta perceive his exertion a little bit. Yeah. Like it's, you know, there's a bit of a, you know, mindfulness part of this and like, you know, Carey Price, I think, is in tune with his fatigue. Yeah, if anything. Yeah. But anyway, that basically sums up the week there. Yep, so we'll uh, catch you guys tomorrow night, uh, during tomorrow night's first intermission uh, against Vancouver. It'll yeah, be like 11 p.m. four or five <sighs> in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyways, we'll uh, catch you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram, at HabsPuckDrop. We'll see you next time.